before we begin today's episode, we have our patrons over at Patreon. They're a Perba and a Perba. We're sorry we missed you on the last couple here. We got Nate Hansen, Rock the Green, Andy Herbrandt, Lauren L., Paul Campaneshi, Kelby Goodman, Greg Wallen, Zach Duran, Daniel, and Cara Lighting. Thank you guys so much for supporting the podcast. Hey, welcome to the Wisconsin Drunken History Podcast. We are your hosts, Eric Sturgeon. And I'm Russell Sorry. This podcast is about all things Wisconsin, history, music, culture, and beer. Although we don't often use strong language, the content is not intended for young audiences, so listener discretion is advised. If you love the bluegrass music you hear in this intro, please check out Dang It's from Madison, Wisconsin by visiting their website, dang-its.com. Now on to the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Wisconsin Drunken History Podcast. We, of course, are your hosts as always. I am Eric. And I'm Russ. And we have a fine, fine episode for you today, of course. Why would I... I wouldn't say that we didn't. It's Uh, always a fine episode, if I do say so myself. (laughs) Even if we didn't have a fine one for you, I would probably lie to you and say it was a great one anyway. So, But we are talking about a tradition in uh, Wisconsin that dates back to the origins of this state. Uh, Of course, we're discussing the history of deer hunting. Yeah, of course. Uh, I'll be out there. Hunting in general, but deer hunting uh, is the the main focus here um, because it's... It's the, it's the time right now. You yeah, know? you're chasing the tails of the white variety. Exactly. So, And, and of course, it, it's already started. Uh, it generally starts early uh, uh, with uh, bow hunting. Uh, there's black powder season, then two, which is uh, muzzle loading, which is... Um, Basically like Civil War. Exactly. It's like popping... Great deer with balls. That's a great point. It, it is. It is exactly like what uh, what uh, old war used to be. Civil War times of of actually packing your musket with a a ball and some powder and and uh, firing away. So have your kid have a drum. Yeah, exactly. When you're going out there, you got to have a yeah, exactly. Your band standing behind you. Little flute guy. Little fluter. Because what's more important? I mean, that's basically you know how. Um, athletes will listen to music as they're warming up and stuff. That's basically what old war was, but they didn't have headphones. They had a band actually standing behind them, blowing flutes and banging drums, baby. Leading right into the gunshots. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, sometimes your fucking rhythm section gets blown apart, <laughs> Yeah. and then you don't have that anymore. <laughs> You're just left with the piccolo You're guy You're catching a ball to the ball. Son of a bitch, our drummer's dead. <laughs> you killed the snare guy. <laughs> you killed the snare guy. Uh, of course, we have a uh, uh, another beer review for you, because why wouldn't we? Uh, we have great Wisconsin music from a really close friend of uh, both Russ and I, Nick T, uh, bringing in uh, some new music here with a band called Dream Addicts. Ooh. And uh, hey, we have another edition of the infamous, How many locals you had a guy? Son of a bitch. And uh, hey, if you haven't done so already, Please give us uh, some sort of a review. Uh, leave us a, a five-star mark on on whatever platform you listen to. That's all we're going to say about that. But you could also visit our website, which is wisconsindrunkenhistory.com, and you could check out how to become a patron. Uh, that's, uh, there's a link there for the Patreon. Uh, there's also our T Public page if you would like to get some sick fucking teas, bro. Oh, yeah. 
And uh, hey, uh, their sweatshirts and stuff. We're getting into sweater season here. That would be great. You got hoodies and and regular uh, crew neck sweat sweatshirts and stuff. And and so you could uh, rock something cool with our logo on it. And uh, without further ado, let's just jump right in here. That, that's you know that's enough rambling from us. We'll, we'll do more of that here within the episode. So, uh, Russ, could you give us a little history here? Yeah, so I went on the DNR website, kind of looking up a little chronology of uh, what happened and how deer hunting became such a big thing in our state. And whether you agree with hunting or not, it's been a Wisconsin tradition before it was even a state. And during the hunting season, there are so many hunters that come to our state, it has become the eighth largest army in the world if all the hunters were to band together in a force, with over 600,000 people participating annually. So they'd have a bigger army than France and Germany combined, and a bigger army than Iran. I mean, they'd be kicking. Pretty nuts. They'd be kicking Russia's ass right now. Pretty nuts. Yeah, Putin would be getting shooting. Yeah, Putin would <laughs> be shooting at Putin. Putin would be pooping. He'd be pooping hard. As this episode comes out the weekend of opening gun deer, we thought we would be a great time to talk about the early hunting here in Wisconsin and some of the facts associated. And there's actually quite a bit of talked about, but this episode we'll talk about some of the highlights of the early days of hunting. And as you can imagine, without laws in the state, early in its time, the hunt for food had no regulations. And if you were settled in the area and looking for food, white-tailed deer was an easy answer. It wasn't until 1851 that the first deer hunting season ran from February 1st to June 30th. So that's a pretty long season. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely noticeably uh, longer. Yeah, and Native Americans were allowed to hunt at any time based on because it was the Michigan Territory at the time still. So yeah. they, there was no regulation. Well, yeah, there, no and there really still isn't. They can still ice hunt. They can ice fish and all kinds of stuff yeah. still. It was in 1887 that the state appointed by governor two game wardens positions were created with a monthly salary of $50, which is a lot of cash. Yeah. Those guys made bank. Yeah, ba- I mean, that's a yeah large sum of money back then. And a pamphlet was given out the year after with the game laws that were included, which is what you still see today. When you go hunting, there's usually a game laws. You usually sure. allowed so many deer. Here's what you here's like the areas you can go to, the zones, and how they're called out and everything. Right, because there's public and private land. There's, uh, you know, per different areas, you know, you got to have a. Uh, a certain amount of uh, dough before you get a buck, or you gotta have a buck before you get a dough. There's yeah, there's this, uh, ins and outs of things. You know, this year's pretty awesome. You get t- you pick the county, so you get two dough in that county, and you get a buck statewide, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, I mean for like twenty some dollars, it's pretty exactly. Deal, and, to be and, honest, you know that's the thing is that you got to remember, you know, you can shoot what you what you have tags for. You can't you know shoot outside of that. You know, and and that's part of uh, the new regulations. Uh, but we'll talk a little bit more about sort of the the older times here before any of that comes into play. Exactly. And due to our large size of the state, a warden position began to grow. And in 1890, an overseer was appointed and the first chief warden took position. So there was like basically a manager, a chief over the Indians. Yeah, this is the hot shot. This is the big dog. This is the big dog. It was basically a free-for-all in the early seasons and not until 1897 when the first bag limit of two deer per person was put in place. A license at the time of the state was a dollar, which is not that bad for in-state. I mean, a dollar's a lot of money. That's a, that, that's, that's, it, I guess in perspective, it seems like a lot if, I mean. When you're making that like a week, though. I was just going to say, you know. Like, that's a lot of cash. And here's the thing, you know, you got you to gotta admit you're paying a dollar, but the outcome you know what what that could result in is food in in your freezer you know if they had freezers uh, maybe not i don't know um but food that that you could even preserve i mean uh 
making jerky and shit. Uh, you know, this is this is a, a big haul that you could potentially make for a dollar. Exactly. And now out of state for our Illinois friends is thirty dollars for them Fox. originally. <laughs> I'm just kidding. And actually twelve thousand licenses were sold. And after this year it continues to grow at a rapid pace when in nineteen oh three it hits seventy eight thousand one hundred and sixty four license and nineteen fourteen one hundred and fifty five thousand. And in 1920, the deer tags were introduced, first being used as a metal deer tag that cost 10 cents to label your deer, basically, to register. Now, I'm wondering, because 1903, uh, or 1920, rather, we're approaching the end of, or, or, I mean, this is still kind of war times. I wonder what sort of metal they used uh, in order to stamp these tags. Yeah, I'm guessing it was just kind of like your shitty dog tag type material. Like a, like almost like an aluminum mix? No, like a really thin piece of metal, okay. I'm guessing. Like a really thin gauge, like you used for dog tags in the early right, days. Right, okay. The ones that you kind of break in half. It's well, kind right. of a similar thing, I'm guessing, where they break in half, you give one to the DNR so they can register the deer. That's crazy, though. You know, like I said, there's always different times uh, of the United States history uh, different metals were were more precious than oh, others, yeah. and uh, uh, that more recently has been something that I've uh, that I've taken uh, a liking to it and, and an interest in because I I found a an old penny in my car and it was a 1943 penny and I was thinking, holy shit! It's probably or, it was a four, it was a 1942 penny. So I got to looking online, and uh, there's actually one penny that's still in circulation. It's a 1943 penny. That is, uh, um, uh, I think it's made of, of um, a certain metal that, that they weren't supposed to be minting at that time during World War II. And uh, there's one that's still in circulation and it's worth like $85,000. One penny is that's worth $85,000. I mean, when you think about it, like nowadays a penny doesn't have a lot of copper in it, right? Because it's just copper's worth way more than one cent. Exactly, yeah. The, they're, they're minted, yeah, out of... Shit. And kind of another another cool little piece of history, kind of off the subject in as uh, people who drink a lot of beer here at the podcast. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And during like the wartime, the brown bottle was like a pretty standard use for like a lot of the medicines and stuff. So like if you go to Germany, why there's like the St. Pauli, which isn't a blue bottle, or if you get like the, you know, the Holland beers, like Heineken are in the green bottles because they needed the brown bottles for the war effort. And they actually just kind of came up with the blue and the green bottle. The only reason you're getting that skunky flavor is actually because the tannins from the sun penetrating through the bottle. Well, I was just going to ask, do you think that the reason that they use the browned bottle for more war uh, uh, engaged efforts uh, was because of that, because they couldn't control if the bottles were inside or outside, and the brown is the one that, that doesn't allow light to penetrate. Yeah, so and, a lot and, of... To, to skunkify exactly and they needed that brown glass for a lot of the medi- medicines and medication bottles right so it's they had to figure out something in those factories so a lot of times they turned to green or uh, blue glass to make which is bottles. which is so crazy because when you you know if, if you stop and you watch any any documentaries on some of that stuff uh especially world war ii i find it to be really really uh, interesting because there were so many different things like you just said glass uh, we mentioned metals, uh, but a lot of different things. They they really stopped circulating to anybody, you know, civilian wise in the states. It was everything was getting shipped overseas to support war efforts, and uh, and and so it made life tough. Regardless, you know, the the war efforts weren't being fought here on our home turf, uh, but 
uh, definitely hardship was felt by everybody, uh, even back here in the States because of the limit, the limitations on things. Yeah. I mean like even women's pantyhose were in ration because yeah. a lot of things, and then they like had a lot of materials for the gun condoms when they would jump off. They're not really a gun condom. It's but just it, kind it's of the, to keep the water out to of, keep the water out of the barrel. Yeah. So there was a lot of materials that like you couldn't get and they like substituted for other things, which exactly. is why we have a lot of our like, you know, fake fabrics and stuff like that today which right. is still kind of a continuation of that war ration exactly so but the no- next thing i found really fascinating was the color of the clothing started in 1944 and originally required hunters to wear red yeah and a lot of guys actually just wore flannels at that time sure if you look at a lot of the old-timey photos usually the uh, red old stormy cromer flannel color the, the, like the big buffalo checked plaid yeah. uh, red and black kind of thing yeah think of ed gain like kind of how he exactly. like had that he always wore that same flannel that red number and black. one stormy cromer guy <laughs> <laughs> oh man gina we're sorry in on that one yeah, well and in 1951 orange was added to the list of colors that were allowed and this orange was not the orange we know today it's just right. an orange in coloration right. stand out it's kind of, of almost like what you're wearing yeah like I'm a burnt orange a burnt or darker orange. Whereas uh, today's is, is a blaze orange. Yeah, so in 1980, it was actually changed to the Blaine George as the color that must be worn in order to stand out. And this lasted all the way up until 2016, was the only time another color would be added, allowing female hunters to, or eccentric male hunters to wear blaze pink. Right, if you yeah, if you choose to wear... We're not but, judging. But you have you have to go one or the other. So you've got to have either the that blaze pink, that really bright, bright pink, or the really blaze bright orange. Exactly. And... Early in Wisconsin's history in the southern portion of the state, uh, the whitetail populations were so slim that many of them were not opened until 1954 when counties like Walworth, Waukesha, Jefferson would open for hunting, 1958 for Rock County, 1959 for Kenosha, 1960 for Green and Racine, which allowed the counties, all the counties except for Milwaukee to be opened for the hunt since 1906 wow. because the deer populations were so slim. I mean, now they're everywhere. I mean, yeah, you drive a, and you see maybe two of them a day, you know. I know within our lifetime, the the populations were were so uh, great that, you know, that, that was kind of the thing is that they were pushing more people to become hunters because we really needed to try to control that population. Uh, really, one of the biggest reasons is because vehicle accidents. You know, the, yeah. the deer are literally, uh, you know, so... So the, the populations are so great that they're literally just running all over the roads and, and creating uh, more of a, a hazard for uh, the roadways and stuff. Yeah, and I mean, right now, especially the deer, like, are in the rut, you know? Like, there's some grunts going on. There's some love making going on. There's love in the air here, so, like... It's getting spicy it's crazy. out in oh, the yeah. woods. There's some shit going down. You don't want to catch yourself out in the woods looking no. like a deer. Don't be pulling down your pants in the woods. You never know what And happen. especially if your name's Doe, get the fuck out of the woods. John Doe, watch out, bud. You, might, coming for you might not want to have a greasy, spicy rear because <laughs> these, these bucks are coming for you. And also the Milwaukee bucks are coming for you. Oh, yeah. Actually, so, they're doing pretty good this season, too. I so pretty nine and two. And they I got know. It. They're awesome. It's it's doing good. So this is a history of the deer. The, the deer hunting is so much more. Um, and stop over at the DNR to check out the full chronology, the chronology of the uh, hunting in Wisconsin. And we actually just touched on some of the highlights and some things I found really fascinating. Um, when this episode airs, I will be out hunting. I know, Sturge, you're not yeah. much of a hunter. No. Um, but we hope all of you have a really safe and successful hunt this year. And we hope you all get to add another deep chest freezer into your basement in the Wisconsin yeah. fashion. Enjoy the outdoors as well. That's the thing is, uh, and I think we touched on it a little bit, about you know uh, we talked about how the those first people that were paying a dollar per, per tag for certain things um 
and uh, 10 cents for, you know, the actual like metal tag or whatever. Um, that's a small price to pay when you consider that you could really be stacking up uh, a year or two years worth of uh, meats in, in your freezer. And that's, you know, growing up, that was, you know, both of our families, you know, you could come over for uh, dinner any night of the week and, and we'd probably be having venison roast. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, with a little bit of a little bit of onion, uh, plenty of uh, venison sandwiches to go around, and and that was kind of the the thing. You know, the 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 good part about living in Wisconsin is sometimes you get, you know, those those beautiful, uh, you know, venison uh, dinners that, you know, you you went out recreationally to go you know hunt, and and that's fun in itself, but then. Uh, the fruits of your labors are are that you get to feed your entire family. Yeah, and I'm a huge fan of the deer jerky. It's kind of my go-to. Like I yeah. love spicy deer jerky. Like that's one my, of my dad favorites. has a, a recipe uh, that uh, I, I swear it is it is the best jerky I've ever had, uh, the most tender, and uh, he didn't have to have any special equipment. I know a lot of people have like dehydrators and things. His whole thing was, you know, what you do is you you let it marinate in in the in the refrigerator for a few hours. Sometimes, you know, a whole day. And then once he pulls it out, he takes a simple toothpick and goes through the one end. He cuts it into real thin strips. You poke it through the one end and you put it right on the oven grate. You dangle it. And uh, he, he has the oven crack just a little bit. And, and it's cooking for most of the day. And by the time that shit comes out, I mean, he's got bags and bags and bags of it that you throw in the freezer. And it is absolutely amazing all year round. Yeah, like, I mean, low and slow is like the way to go. Yeah. When you're doing like jerky, said, you don't have a dehydrator. It's, and, and when he had that oven cracked, I mean, all you were smelling the whole day was this like, you know, beautiful, you know, scent of like uh, uh, Worcestershire and, you know, just a little bit of salts for curing. You know, I mean, it was just an amazing, an amazing day for the, the Sturgeon household to be just smelling jerky that you knew you were going to get. Uh, you know, in in a couple days, once that stuff was ready to go, you were going to be just eating jerky. And we didn't really go into too much of like the French trading posts and like the early, you know, right. Native American stuff. But, so, you know, maybe next year we'll do some more on this hunting because there was a lot more information. Especially to with, present. you know, like uh, Lake Michigan being right there, um, being able to trade furs and, and things too uh, off of some of that stuff. Uh, uh, deer, uh, uh, like whitetail caps, you know, things like that, that... Uh, that all come from that same thing and, and, and you know, uh, much more than just meat. Obviously, you know, uh, especially our ancestors would use every single part of that deer once they had it, you know, apart. All right. On to our Wisconsin music segment. This is a, a staple of our show where we like to uh, highlight, you know, a musician or bands from around the state that uh, we're digging and that we think you know, you should listen to as well. Uh, and again, you know, we make no money off of any of this. It's just playing their music and, and hopefully exposing you to something that maybe you hadn't heard before. Yeah. I mean, I mean, all of our listens kind of go back to them, honestly, but that's the whole point of the show. We're not in it for the money. We're more in it for like a hobby and we really love Wisconsin. So yeah. And being, you know, both musically, inclined <laughs> yeah, i mean we're both, however you want to look at both it both played a lot of music yeah. in school and stuff and just enjoy still playing music to this day and so it, it you know this was 
definitely like a must have when we when we started this podcast we were thinking we got to do this and even uh what's his name audio dave from uh discover, from the cabin yeah in discover wisconsin he, he was thing. like you know oh man I, I when i saw that you guys were doing a music thing i loved it because that's what i wanted to do and you know we just didn't have room for it in ours and i'm glad that somebody's doing it so um, this is our chance to just highlight kind of what we're listening to uh, from the very talented individuals from around the state. And we have a great one today. Uh, the, the band is called Dream Addicts. Addicts is, is in like the attic of your house. Um, and, and Dream Addicts is uh, at least one half of it is one of our very good friends. Uh, Nick Tavarik, uh, who is an incredibly talented musician, has been for, uh, I mean, a lifetime. And uh, I know that both of us have seen uh, different bands and different things that he's been a part of uh, over the years between uh, Elkhorn, uh, Whitewater, Milwaukee. I mean, a bunch of different areas that he's uh, that he's uh, been around and, and different shows that he's played and uh, just an incredible mind for music. Oh, for sure. He was kind of one of the musicians in the Walworth County area that we all kind of knew and, you know, maybe a little bit more skilled than me and you, Eric. Incredibly more skilled. Yeah. Like, especially than me. I don't know. You're pretty good. I don't consider myself skilled at all. It's just I got lucky with anything. Yeah. And I mean, and this dude. is there's no luck involved in what Nick T is doing. Uh, he's he's in, incredibly talented. He has and the skilled. mind for music for sure. And like yeah. organization, that's probably my biggest thing is organizing a song. Yeah. You know, like I You're know. Right. I yeah. mean, like I, I come up with like the best hooks and I come up with like a really cool like guitar part, but it's like finishing that, like just right. organizing and finishing. You got 30 seconds of, of something. like some amazing song that like you just can't finish because you don't know where to go next. Right. And I think Nick T kind of has that mind where he can set his mind to it and actually finish a song. Right. And, and uh, I'm glad you said that because this, uh, this song that we're going to play today uh, is truly a, a, a complete um, example of that, of, of him being able to take uh, what, what seems to be a really cool, maybe just like synth hook or something and, and develop it and, and create something that is just amazing and, and put it all together. And, and that's one step that I think a lot of musicians have uh, at least a little bit of a struggle with, you know, uh, making that one thing that sounds cool and then really, really building around it. And um, like I said, that's just one thing that, uh, that you know, this new song, it's called Ebb and Flow, uh, really, really showcases. And I know you mentioned, what, Tame Impala. I was getting a little bit of psychedelic from it yeah. a little bit and a little bit of that, like, indie chime coming in on, like, the hooks and, like, the, the song itself. Yeah. Just just a really cool song. And it's awesome to see that Nick's still playing music, yeah. you know? Yeah, and, and uh, again, you know, we, we absolutely love uh, this song, and I know that they've got other things in the works, and... Uh, we, we urge you to just go and follow them uh, on, on Instagram and Facebook and stuff in order to see what's next. And um, hopefully, hopefully in the near future, we get some some more live shows and stuff, too. Um, and, and we can all go see this stuff happen uh, in real time on a stage and we can all, uh, you know, maybe mosh together. But uh, for now, here is Dream Addicts Ebb and Flow.
Tell me, man. tell me about it. It was just so good. It was just, it was dreamy to be honest. Like the guitar hook, the, the little guitar chime in, yeah. the, in the background. The, you can like, hear it. The song kind of rolls out here. It's the, just that. It's so, just those yeah, noties, it's amazing. You know? um, thank you again, uh, Nick T for, for being a cool friend and, and uh, giving us permission to feature. Uh, this is an, a new song as of just a couple weeks ago. And, um, I don't even know if they've really announced any sort of plans as far as, you know, doing this thing, uh, making a full album or an EP or taking this stuff on the road or anything, but it's, um, nonetheless, uh, cool as shit. I mean, making music, it, it, it is, it is, if it's a passion of yours, making something that you can put out to show people not only is, is scary because you're sort of, you're sort of showing somebody uh an inner piece of yourself uh that that you know you don't necessarily ever show people and you're worried about the criticism and and what people are going to think and say and um but and then also uh twofold you're never even sure that it's ready to go you you know it's it's like releasing your kid out onto the, the to you know to school for the first time or out on the road with their you know driver's license at 16 you're never really sure or, or, or convinced that that song is ready to, to be out there. And, um, in order to do that is, is, uh, you're really making yourself, uh, you know, vulnerable by doing it. And to, to be able to get the reaction that I've seen people have to his music, uh, and this song in particular is awesome. I think that's great because, I, for one, want to hear more. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, everyone's kind of their own worst critic. I know I am. Yeah, I oh, absolutely. Been, you know, like, yeah. I, I think it's amazing, but then I, like, I'm like, oh, I should add this to it, or I should delete this, or, well, yeah. or like this. It's just kind of how it is, you It's know? the never-ending mix. Uh, you know, it's a it's a, a project on your desktop. You constantly reopen it, and you're like, oh, maybe, maybe this needs to be a little bit louder in the mix, or I could, you know, cut a little bit off of, you know, the 4,000 range or whatever. And, and, uh, or, you know, you're, you're always tweaking and, and trying to, to make it better. And it's like, well, eventually it's just got to get out there. You yeah, know, all exactly. you're doing is you're, you're, you know, prolonging the inevitable, you know, you want to release it. So just fucking do it. You know, it's, it's never going to get that much better, um, you know, tweaking wise. So just put it out and, and, uh, that's tough to do. Uh, you and I have both done this before and, uh, I, I commend anybody who, who does, release these things because again it is it is making yourself 
incredibly vulnerable uh, by allowing people inside an area that you don't normally allow, you know, because we're constantly creating. Everybody is, you know, you, even if you're not a musician, you're constantly creating something. Um, everybody has a thing that they do and uh, not everybody releases it. You know, we have a friend, uh, Andrea, that, that wrote a book uh, that she finally is getting released. Uh, and, and again, it's uh, um, and it's a it's about depression and uh, it's a sensitive topic, obviously. And, and that's another thing that will. You know, we'll uh, once the the book is finally released and stuff and available on all the different platforms, we'll give you the, the full title of it and and where you can go to support that. Because again, um, just another friend from high school, and and I think that she's doing a really cool thing, and um, and and I love to be able to to help any way I can, uh, and any way that we can, uh, kind of call attention to that stuff. So, um, thank <coughs> thank you again, Nick T, for um for allowing us to use. Uh, that new song by Dream Addicts, and again, that was Ebb and Flow. Go and check it out, please. And, and we, uh, we've always talked about you doing the Spotify playlist because now we have like a hundred forty plus tracks with the Rock the Green stuff that we'd like to all collaborate together. So you have this playlist of all these songs we featured. Isn't that at cool? Some point, yeah, it's just amazing. We've had like probably a hundred forty different bands. Yeah, and, and featured on the show, and that's an that's an easy enough thing for us and I to do. It's just it it's time consuming. We'll, right. If if all the stuff's on Spotify or not, and and so we'll put as much as we can together, and and then we'll uh, we'll give at least the name of that playlist uh, as soon as we have it out. So. Um, let's move on to our beer review. This is a beverage review of the beer kind. Uh, and again, this is a, uh, uh, a, what we believe is a Wisconsin beer. Now, the reason why I'm saying we believe it is, uh, is because it has the state of Wisconsin on it. A massive it's, Wisconsin logo. It's brought to you by Sendix, uh, which, uh, send a dick. I'm just going to send Dicks. Um, uh, grocery store chain right here in the state of Wisconsin, and uh, they're known for their red bags, uh, very sturdy red plastic bags, by the way. Uh, you can carry like a lot of shit in those. Um, but this one in particular is brewed uh, at Eagle Park. Oh, the old Muskego stomping grounds. Yeah, and, and Eagle Park actually just uh, bought uh, and acquired uh, MKE Brewing. Yeah. So they're brewing uh, their stuff internally now as well. And so, we, we still want to get them on the show. They've had a lot of scheduling conflicts. I mean, we've kind of been back and they forth. They finally gave like, us a, a, an internal contact that we can use. So uh, we finally got that, and, and we will definitely feature uh, and, and talk to um, Eagle Park very soon here. And it, I'm very excited to be able to do so. Um, but, yeah, so this one's brewed right in Muskego uh, at Eagle Park, and it is a, a 5%, uh, and we're dealing with the Construction Barrel Pilsner. I kind of like it, too, because it's kind of like that Wisconsin staple of the lager beer, the lager, the cold weather, you know, beer yeah. types. And this one is actually has the uh, Pilsner malt. Obviously, it's a Pilsner. And then the German hop varieties, kind of like your standard Pilsner. Definitely a little bit better crafted. Sturge, what is your take on it? Initial. Yeah, so I um, I smelled it first. And, and of course, it's uh, um, it's got that normal Pilsner sort of lager smell to it. Um, you're getting a lot of that malt um, and not so much hop. It's a breadiness. Yeah, it's I very mean, bready. It's yeah. it's essentially you're drinking a loaf, uh, not taking a <laughs> not pinching a loaf. Not pinching one, but um, eating one. But so the smell, you can kind of go either way on that. If you're super into beer, uh, it might be something that's pleasant to you. My first whiff was like, eh, you know, eh, whatever. Um, it smells 10 times better than uh, any of the light beers that we drink. Um, 
you know, uh, fucking 30 cases of. But the taste, I can tell you, for one, is that of a craft lager. Uh, oh, for it, sure. It's great. It is. Um, very, very much so a good flavor of, like, wheat. I'm getting almost, like, a little bit of honey, uh, which is great. I don't know if... if uh, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of honey on toast. Uh, I put oh, yeah. honey on uh, just a piece of toast in the morning sometimes. I'm getting that. I'm getting very honey. And it, There's and, definitely a little sweet and back finish on it. Definitely more of the Pilsner variety, kind of branching out like we've talked about before. When you get a Pilsner, you're going to be pretty close to your domestics. Yeah, so it's yeah. not a bad one to start off with when you're like branching out to the craft beer market. Yeah, which we talk about quite a, quite a bit. Uh, you know, if if, um, if you're looking to try to branch out, you know, not everybody is. If some people are just very content with having a Coors Light, that's what they're going to drink. Um, for me, you know, it, it it's it's nice to be able to go to a, a brewery, you know, that makes craft beers. And a lot of times they don't sell anything other than their own beers on tap, you know? And, uh, if you want to do that, you, you kind of got to branch out a bit and, and almost all of them have, uh, this, what we would call the kind of that first stepping stone. And, um, this is a great one. Like Russ already mentioned, if, if you're looking to branch out, I would easily recommend, uh, this one, and, and I'm not sure that you can even get this like on tap at Eagle Park, um, but Eagle Park and, and so many other breweries that we talk about here in the state have a version of this, you know, that's just sort of your normal 5% um, lager, a nice Pilsner, an easy drinking beer. This one's really cool because, uh, you know, just shopping around at Sendix the other day, I see that they have a whole end cap of their own beers that are, you know, chilled in a, in a cooler and, and they, you know, just labeled with their own stuff, which is awesome because what other grocery stores have that? It's pretty neat that uh, they yeah. have like a subcontract with the brewery, kind of like yeah. Octopi does with um, Aldi's, a lot of Aldi's, Aldi's yeah. beer. It's just really cool that we do this in the state and like beer is such a big staple that, you know. Yeah, and I think that it's uh, um, a good way to, um, to, to sort of make an additional amount of money for that, you know, grocery store that's local. You know, yeah, for sure. And I uh, and I think this beer in 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 particular is very delicious. And I think we have another one coming up on the next episode as well. Yeah, uh, another variety. Yeah, the can's really cool too. It kind of has your construction orange, and it has the construction barrel, like the white stripes. Like in Wisconsin, we say we have two seasons: we have white and we have orange. Yeah, I mean the summer is always like orange on the road. Otherwise, it's white. Like those yeah. are the two colors you get. And even once it snows, the, those construction cones are just set there. And they're they're that's their permanent home for pretty you know, much <laughs> the the entire winter season. They forgot to go and collect them as if snow it was uh, a surprise. You know that they oh well it snowed today. I guess we're never getting those cones back. Um, the road looks like a dreamsicle basically. <laughs> <laughs> Only for the first couple of days, and then yeah. it turns into a just a shitsicle. A, yeah, a shitsicle. <laughs> but uh, beautiful beer uh, tastes really great. Again. This is the Sendix uh, Construction Barrel Pilsner. Grab a seat, gather around, join us for a chat. How many locos you have? All right, folks, you know what that means? It's our infamous, how many locos you at? <laughs> and this one is awesome. Like, what's the shittiest way you can get an OWI, Eric? There's a lot, but what is yeah. the worst one? I mean... 
on a fucking scooter. I mean, a scooter is definitely a bad one. <laughs> I mean, yeah. lawnmower's up there, too. Lawnmower's but, pretty bad, but um, a scooter, I don't know. You can't live that one down. Shit, yeah. Uh, so we've got an article that reads, Two arrested for OWI after driving scooters in Middleton. Uh, we've got a pair of unfortunate-looking individuals. They um, look crazed. Yeah, they, well, I mean, they there. definitely look hammered as shit. They're uh, hammered and a little crazed in the eyes. Yeah, exactly. So... And uh, so this is, again, Middleton, Wisconsin. Police arrested an intoxicated man and woman who were on electric scooters Thursday night around 11.21 p.m. Shit, man. Um, they were trying to be safe. Uh, however, they failed to realize that uh, you're still operating a motor vehicle, even if it's just a electric scooter. So uh, according to the Middleton Police Department, they received information that both of them had driven their scooters to the PDQ, that's a gas station, on Southridge Way and were about to leave. Uh, the caller was concerned about them driving under the influence. Oh, damn, dude. They got called on. Dude. Yeah. They must have been real bad on them. They must have been real rough. Authorities say the man was upset someone called the police, so he approached and threatened the caller. Uh, the caller then pepper sprayed <laughs> the man uh, in self-defense. Shitty night, dude. Shitty night for these two. This is not great, that's for sure. So we've got a 39-year-old male uh, from Ripon was arrested for his sixth OWI. Dang. So that is his sixth, uh, hopefully not all on scooters. Uh, and then we've got a 43-year-old woman uh, from Middleton, and that was her second OWI. So they both have uh, have history with this. Um, both electric scooters were found hidden somewhere so they, nearby. They tried to hide their fucking right. razors, dude. Of course. Like, they were at a six skate park just doing some razor tricks, just drinking some liquor. And... Just trying to go to PDQ and get a fucking tornado roller or whatever the fuck they got there. and then Or a, a, a Bud Hurricane or whatever those are. Those freaking, those are racky, dude. Yeah, and I guess, you know, maybe they were trying to do, to get more booze. I think it's 1121, so... Uh, yeah, maybe not booze, but maybe like an energy drink or some. Yeah, you might Something be right. Some tornadoes, bit, you know? some tornadoes, or whatever yeah, exactly. They call them. Like, just like, a couple of greasers, just a couple of grease balls, just trying to fucking soak it up and and be good. But the problem is, is they operated a motor vehicle, uh, and and, and that's not cool. So um, these so these weren't like razor scooters. These are like electric, full blown, like motorized. I, I have a feeling that they're probably like the the lime or bird scooters that they have like around town, which you can buy now. I think Target actually sells uh, bird brand scooters. So you know, for like four or five hundred bucks, you can get a cool electric scooter. Um, the problem is, it's a it's a it is still a motorized recreational vehicle that you know um, you shouldn't be operating after you you know, partake in, in liquor. And that's the, that's, you know, the, the downside here is that they, they, I guess in their minds, they were probably thinking this is safe. Like we're not getting into our Pontiac, um, but still can cause, you know, other people to, to get in an accident if they tried to cross roadways or something. And, uh, just not a, not a good idea. And like we said, we've got 39 year old man, sixth OWI. We've got 43 year old woman, second OWI. Um, criminally you know active here in the head they're 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 attempting to find other ways but in in reality the easiest thing they could have done call uber eats get something delivered that's number one yeah number yeah. two just get a fucking uber yeah just call for a lift or an uber or to go a to taxi <laughs> right home. you can you can yeah, do that sure. like it's just so simple um you know if this was if this was, you know, 10 years ago, I might, I might understand, but this isn't, this is, this is 
in the days of Uber and Lyft and and so many different food delivery options, and maybe they were going to get cigarettes or something. Um, which in that case, you know, obviously you can't get cigarettes delivered to you, but again, you can just take a fucking taxi or an Uber and, and you can get to PDQ at home and, and not cause any, so they're just ripping shit sticks of fucking they scooters, have. dude, just going ham. They were ripping heaters trying yeah, well, to get yeah, the PDQ to get some more, you know, sticks. I don't know. <laughs> couple Lucy's couple Lucy's man. So, uh, Russ, where you at here? I, I mean, mean, I got a couple things. I mean, we got the 39-year-old man, pepper sprayed, 6 OWI, 43-year-old woman, second OWI, scooters, PDQ. What do we got here? I, I mean, forgot to mention, yeah, that he is a, he's an aggressive guy. Uh, he, I mean, he, he got pepper sprayed. I mean, yeah, he, so he, dude, like, he tried aggressively uh, interacting with the caller of, uh, of authorities, so he tried drunk Kwando but got pepper sprayed in the process, dude. <laughs> <laughs> he failed miserably. He's a bush light belt and uh, <laughs> got his fucking ass sprayed, so not cool. Um, I have an idea of where I'm at. And, I don't. Th- and I don't I think. Do you think they're loco drinkers? I mean, looking at him, I don't know. The one guy, maybe <laughs> the like, guy is for sure. The guy like definitely sips loco. Yeah, she's once she's, she's more not. of a she likes tequila shots or something. You think so? You think she's a or fireball? Vodka. You think she's a fireball girl? Fireball. I think she might be a fireball yeah. coog. Ooh, the screwball peanut butter whiskey. Um, but here's the thing: I think we have to go to combined loco on this because we have two people. I think they're probably pretty similar though. Like I think we can just go with one loco. I think they're probably in the same boat. Well, they were both able to operate the scooter so i think yeah you're probably right i think they're in the Um, same boat here so let's go ahead and take you know you come up with a number for him come up with a number for her put them together and that's the number i want you to deliver so this is gonna be complicated but i do have a number i have a number as well three two one twenty eight so i was thinking 14 a piece i was thinking only nine a piece really i was thinking 14 a piece like i don't think they're quite blackout but the, the 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 fighting i'll meet you at 12 you going 12 I think 12 I think a piece. 12 a piece. So we'll go 24 we'll local. Go 24. I can meet I, you at 24. Because I think, I'm not going to lie, like, I think, like, they're not quite passed out. But, like, the, the the thing with him fighting is, like, the thing that gets me. Like, when you're, like, when you're at, like, that peak 14, you're, like, want to just do You get up. aggressive. Yeah. yeah, you get kind of aggressive. And you do got pepper sprayed. So I think that's, the 24 local. That's when they call it fight juice. Yeah, for sure. Like, Mike, we've called right. it fight juice. Right. When he ordered at the bar, he's like, I just want to fight juice. Well, I mean, that was, that was fucking awesome. Because then the bartender looked at us and was like, all what's right, a what's juice? a fight juice? Yeah. And then I was like, I'm not really sure. And then she goes, is it a, uh, uh, tea, uh, uh, a twist or a twi- long Island, long Island. And, yeah. and then I was like, yep, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> she like loaded it yeah. up through the liquor. Oh yeah. And that night well, was crazy. Like one of these days we will tell the story. It just, it was pretty intense. We have to know. wait till the, uh, the statute of limitations are up. When on is that? Like that five is. years or something? Like I we, think we, it's we five or coming seven. up pretty close. I mean, five, five to seven years, I think is good. And it I was think just actually, an, we're, it was a crazy night. Let's just throw it out there. It's a story we will tell at some point. So just stay tuned. Well, you that would have been 2016. You will hear the story eventually. It's pretty nuts so so i'm i'm satisfied uh we, we landed on a 24 combined uh 12 a piece there so um let's law and order it yeah hit that gavel All right, that concludes this episode of Wisconsin Drunken History Podcast. If you enjoyed this vulgar display of Wisconsin, please like and subscribe on whatever streaming platform you prefer. And remember to hit the bell on YouTube to be notified when we release new content. Also, if you have any suggestions or ideas for future episodes, please send us an email at widrunkenhistory at gmail.com 
or head over to our Facebook and Instagram pages. Thanks again for listening, and remember as always, watch out for deer on your way home. home.